0: You can still hear me, eh? Yeah, no, absolutely, man.
1: Absolutely. Nowadays. it is. Yep.
0: So here we go, everyone. We are back with the newest episode of Irish Iron. Uh, today's guest is the Shredder, uh, Brian Ward, uh, from up in the north. So whereabouts... Did Brian, Brian and me first met at the... PCA Irish Open where Brian won the overall um, and then he went on to do the Nava Worlds and he placed fourth there. Was that? Fourth, Fourth, fourth. yeah. He was pretty much set to go on into 2020 but he had a freak accident where he tore both his um, what did you exactly
1: do? So Ah, uh, so basically, I tore the both patella tendons, which basically connects a kneecap um, to the shin bone. So basically, the two kneecaps just snapped and just came up the quads um, completely. No connection, tore the shreds. Um, one of the, one of the worst injuries you could ever think of happening. Like you know, uh, it was crazy. Crazy.
0: Do it? it obviously wasn't in the game. Like it was outside. Of-
1: Oh, so as we was to say, so we did. We obviously did, we did the we did the three shows back to back, um, which all went well. Everything was flying. You were just on a really big high, um, and we had a holiday booked a week after the words. So you are basically going on holidays, and you were completely shredded. So it couldn't have came at a better time. All inclusive holiday, um, all that food. It was just like heaven. I was just in heaven. Um, so it was really really good post show. Um, on holidays, on inclusive, everybody will understand when you're dying for a show for so long. It's so basically I was dying for probably six months at this stage. Um, and how the injury actually happened, me and my wee boy, he was only six. We were, uh, we were actually playing football. It was like a, it was a, because it was an all inclusive hotel, you know the way they do the entertainment and stuff. Yeah. So one of the gears was saying, "Oh, there's a wee football match on, everybody can come up and join in. And he's crazy the football, so I thought, right, let's, let's do it. Let's give it a go. So I thought it would have been maybe just a wee bit of passing, a wee bit of shooting. But it turned out it was a full-on match. Oh. And it started off friendly enough, but uh, as the match went on, and obviously I'm competitive myself, so I was probably getting a wee bit too rough as well. Um, and one guy, I was kind of running with a ball, and one guy came from the side and hit me. And when he hit me, my two knees hit off the AstroTurf pitch. And they just snapped and I, I just, I just knew straight away, uh, I'm, I said, Brian, what, what did you do here, man, you've wrecked yourself. Um, it was, it was literally like two elastic bands snapping, you could hear that. And I was, I was just kind of lying there. Um, and the thing was, you couldn't move my legs, my legs was completely gone. It was like someone was like put a taser gun. That's the only way I could describe it. It was like someone put a taser gun to your legs um and they were just uh completely and I locked down and my kneecap was like nearly up as up at my hip. I was just going like, Oh, what did you do, man? And the first thing the first thing actually came into my mind was, man, you're done, you're finished. Like because obviously competing was fresh in my head. And after having a good season there was big plans for an off season and and where I was going to go for the Um and it was all just coming crashing down like by time at that point like you know it was all just kind of going through my mind I was even thinking I'm all right I was just thinking I'm done that's me it's yeah. it's over like but
0: yeah it was crazy
1: man.
0: I mean the thing with you is you didn't stop with the, um, social media you kept posting I mean like you um you from the very beginning I remember like you had your knees bandaged up and you were walking on crutches and stuff and a lot of people would have just um it would have stopped. I mean, did you yeah. think it was important for people to see what it takes to, you know, overcome something so, you know, it's a drastic lifestyle change for whatever amount of time, you know?
1: It was one of them ones, the injury was that severe. It's, it's hard to explain how bad it was. Um, obviously, we were in Portugal at the time. Yeah. Um, and it was 10 days all on close of holiday. So this was on the sixth day this happened and um, so basically I had to get on an ambulance nobody was allowed to come nobody even spoke English in the ambulance and it was just boom and they, and they says oh we'll take you 15 minutes away you'll only be 15 minutes away so I thought right it's not too bad
0: yeah
1: um, I was driving for an hour and a half in that ambulance just sirens on um, just lying there and I, I couldn't even I couldn't move my legs at all and I was starting to panic a wee bit thinking Jesus what's going on and I was, obviously that day too you know because of the heat I was I was dehydrated a lot too, like you know, I was, and I was I was just kind of I was just thinking to myself it was pure survival survival mode at that stage, you know, because there was obviously a lot of trauma to the body. Um, I got to that Portuguese hospital, and I'm telling you, man, see the hospitals here, they're like five star hotels compared to this place that I was put into. It was crazy, and it was a crazy eye opener. Um, the the doctors they basically the X-ray and stuff. Um, and they just said to me listen do you have to go home you have to go home for surgery i was like because like, the ambulance driver originally kind of told me he just kept going dislocated dislocated so i was like okay not too bad they'll just pop them back on but i knew in my head it was it was a lot worse than that you know um so basically i had to get a flight the next day back um to belfast um they'd be taking down the road for just to get in the hospital for surgery so the family had to stay on out because you know, way, there was no flights. Very hard to get on a flight. And I was very, very lucky because one of the guys actually was on my team at the time. He worked for Aer Lingus. He was a manager. So he was able to get me um, on a flight under his name the next day um, and got me back home, which basically meant... You see, the big thing too with tendons, if you snap your tendons, you have a limited time where you have to get surgery. So yeah. if, you, if, it's, if you don't get them fast then they can just uh, they can go to mush and they're very very hard they reattach um so basically i got back and then within three days i got the surgery and then obviously the rest of the family had flown home by then as well so when i was coming out of surgery for the first time they were actually just home from belfast from the holiday waiting for me so it all timed out very good um it was just crazy but i kind of took obviously with all the painkillers and different things it kind of took you a few days to to get your thinking, they thinking back and stuff, and then I just said, I have sat down with and just says, "Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure this is not, this is not overly, because the surgeon told me he said, the surgery was a success, we've reattached the tendons, mm-hmm. um, and there's no reason why in a year's time or whatever they should come back. So I thought to myself, well, he's not telling me I'm done, he's telling yeah. me there is still a chance. So I always wanted they kind of document it along the way, to kind of show people too, um that it can be done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because a lot of people would just throw the head. um, And for me, that wasn't an option from day one. I just thought, there's no way I've came this far. And I just feel that I've got more to give, if you you know what I mean. It's not over. So that's what kept me fueled in my head. I just thought, no negative thoughts. I thought, one day at a time um, and we'll just see where it goes. So that's basically what I've done until this day. I haven't looked too far in front of me and I haven't dwelled on it. I've just took a day at a time I'm trying to do the best I can and it's, it's working. It's working.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the main thing with the injury that you had was it was because it was two, um, it was two full tears of the tendons.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, it's a, it's easier to, well, it's not easy to rehab it in any situation, but, um, in a case where it's a partial tear, I know they, if they, if they think it's strong enough, they'll leave it.
1: They'll so leave it. I
0: still will stay and everything I mean um so I'd rather have I if I was given the option to have surgery I would have surgery because it's yeah. gonna be stronger again so it's just a matter of time but in terms of full functionality I mean your clot, your legs are pretty much they're they're close enough to what they were or whatever you yeah so. yes yeah, so the thing is with,
1: <clears throat> with a partial with a partial tear if they yeah. don't operate you're always going to have that weakness. You know, yeah. You're going to have probably tendonitis. So well, how are you ever going to be able to love to have it again? You know, it'll always be there. Whereas, because they were snapped completely, um, they were surgically reattached. Yeah. So you think about it. Uh, they obviously they they basically drill your kneecap and they like tie it on. They just literally tie the tendon back on. It's it's rough and ready, like you know. Um, but as I say, because I've done two as well, mm. some people say you know oh, that's that's horrible, severe, but. From a bodybuilding perspective, if I had have just torn one, where would you get that balance again? You would yeah. never get that balance back. You know, so, um, in a way, in a way, it worked all right. It worked out all right. But yeah. the legs now, I think, um, the way they are, obviously yeah. I put, put, put pitchers up there last night after a push session, and you can look at the legs, the balance is coming again. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think the legs aren't far away from where they were when I started prep last time. No. Yeah. Um, so and, and obviously I'm holding better, better condition and, and stuff there. The detail, See, the big one was, no, there's no deformation in the muscle. Yeah. So the lines is there, the details there. It's just a matter of getting that thickness again. Um, yeah. But again, it'll come. It'll come with time.
0: I mean, is that from certain movements? Do you think that you weren't able to do, like uh, leg pre- like heavy squats or what kind of training would you generally do? Like, I mean. You're up in pro gym. You're up in um, pro gym, pro
1: yep.
0: gym, yep. Yep, uh, pro gym yep. yeah. That's Dave Fox's uh, Dave Fox's uh, setup. Um, yep. That's a hardcore gym. I've heard fairly good things about it. Um, yeah. So in there, I'm sure there's plenty of kit that you didn't have to do anything that didn't suit your body at the time.
1: Exactly. Um, pro, gym, pro gym's one of them gyms. It's just you don't realize how good it is until you go somewhere else yeah now, when you're in there the the range of equipment for legs and back obviously like see for like a push session or a chest session shoulders you can get away with dumbbells nearly in any gym or whatever but good back equipment um, and good leg equipment is hard to come by um you see these gyms and they, they all look the apart but until you try their equipment out it yeah. just doesn't have the right angles or it doesn't have the right curve you know to hit the muscle the way you want it so pro gym just has obviously dave Dave's in the game, I'd say he must be 30 years, 30 years. So he's hand-packed everything. Yeah. And it was all designed to basically around his competing. So if you can't build the physique in there, you may take up golf. Take up yeah. golf or something, you know. Um, But basically, from an early stage, even before the injury, see like heavy squats. I used to, whenever I was a lot smaller, Um, back when I started, I would have been very, very strong in squats and stuff. I would have maybe done like a five plates five of side squat and stuff. But when you looked at the legs, the muscle did not reflect the strength. Yeah. Um, and then as I got a wee bit older, I started getting niggles on my hips and stuff. And I, I quickly realized that I'm not going to be one in person that's going to be doing big, massive, heavy squats. Like the hack squat suits me a lot better. The leg press suits me a lot better. Because you're taking that hinge movement with it, um, I can bolt my legs. I can concentrate more in the quads um, from the hack squat. Whereas when I go back to free squats again, I tend, to, I tend to get injured, and it's probably a mobility thing that I need to work on, but it's basically the hip, I've, hip tight hip flexors, um, and once you, I just find that there's less risk in the hack squat, and you get the same benefit. Um, so I tend to out in the down, I kind of stick, I'll stick with a hack squat, I'll stick with leg press um, for the main compounds for quads.
0: Yeah, no, I'd be the exact same, I mean, I I can squat for days, absolutely, but I, I find it's like if you can't do a squat properly anyway you're yeah. not going to be you know allowing leg growth to happen in the first place so I'd always like that that's that that shows you know because I mean like you get a lot of younger competitors and they'd be stubborn Yeah, they'd, they'd, they'd want to do what makes them feel better, but it doesn't necessarily reflect in a uh, physique. But um, in terms of your training, when you got into bodybuilding, did you have any mentors or anything? Or how did you get started into the scene? Did you, were you sporty? Or was there...
1: Yeah, so basically I was... Uh, I came up through football. So football, I was always playing football. And, and day was a little wee skinny. It was like a stick. Really, really skinny. Um, and basically how I started was... I literally got a few wits at the house. They basically built myself up for the football. Um, and I played football day, I was about twenty-one. Um as I say, wits wise, gym-wise, I wasn't at a gym, I was just like at the house, um, where we benched a few dumbbells. Um <coughs> the Rocky music on, had the Rocky music on, doing the punch bag, stuff like got there. It was just crazy stuff. You didn't have a clue what you were doing, but um it was great at the time, you know. Um but when I was twenty-one then I would basically torn ligaments on my ankle three times. At that stage, so every time I was playing football, my ankle would give way, and it kept tearing. So I thought to myself, "This is an of have No, I have to pull the pun." So once I stopped the the football, I basically started the gym um, full time. Then, but I remember a guy I worked with; he was a rugby player, and he, he took me down and he put me through a full week's training. Um, and the following week, I had to take off work. I was that bad. I had to lie in bed. <laughs> Muscles was tore off me. Um, couldn't even move, that was yeah. that bad. And I thought, what the fuck, I'm not going back at that. But obviously, you wanted to get a wee bit stronger and stuff. Um, and you can start to see the physique starting to change. So I, I was, I was, that was basically the start of it. Mm. Um, and then, bodybuilding ways. I don't think I really got it. I was kind of, it was one of these ones, when I started at the start, it was probably more um, disco muscles, you were <laughs> you were getting a pump on for the Saturday night, and that was that like. uh But there was, there was no thoughts of bodybuilding. So it kind of came in. I had my first show in two, when I was 26, which was 2013. Okay. So probably two years prior to that, I started taking it a wee bit more serious. Yeah. Um, because if you looked at my physique when I was younger, it didn't resemble a bodybuilder. So there was no point in me even looking at that avenue, if you know what I mean. I was just kind of left and wait to enjoy it. But then as I started to build up and get stronger, the physique started to change. And I thought, maybe I could do it. Okay. You know, so I um, did the first show in 2013. Um, which was a local show it was Waba at the time yeah and it, it was a cracking it was a cracking show at the time you know the atmosphere was bouncing the roof the tunes was on it was crazy um, and they always timed it it was the day after Naba so there was a massive crowd there and I just remember the the crowd used to be packed and they had the, the music up full blast it was a good atmosphere really really good atmosphere um, I went to, and I did that show first timers and won the first timers so my first show um and won it. But I did that show. I didn't really I had a few guys in the gym looking after me but kinda of taking a look at me, but I did the diet myself. So there was no I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just kinda of chipping away at food. There was no refeeds, there was no cheat meals. <laughs> it was just uh every week cut a wee bit of food out. Yeah. And, and I was shredded like, you know. <clears throat> I wasn't I wasn't big, but I was shredded. Um, and obviously it was enough they won the show. So I was at the time, I probably thought to myself. I remember saying to myself, oh, "I'm never doing that again. I'm never doing that again." But that was the whole way up, you know. I didn't know what to expect. Um, it was the first show, so after then, obviously, I got the it. and especially after winning. Once you won in that feeling when you're standing up there, and then you get the food back in the next day, you forget how bad the day it was, and you're good to go again. I mean,
0: do you feel? Do you feel because you started, you competed at 26. Yeah. Um, do you think that was a late start? Or do you think a, that, like, yeah.
1: that that was a late start? See, see looking back now, if I had uh, started uh, obviously as a junior, mm. then you're probably looking where would it be? You, know, you would be way ahead of where you are now. But it, it's just that uh, you have to take it as it comes. You know what I mean? You, it's uh, Everything kind of happens for a reason, I think. And I get into it at, at a late age, but I'm still fresh. Well, obviously not with injuries now, like, you know, but um, I feel fresh health wise. Yeah. And only the last. I feel the last couple of years I've really everything's really, really clicked for me in a yeah. sense where when I go into the gym, I can really just connect with that muscle too. It, it just seems to all it's all kind of clicking now. So I can seem to progress really, really quickly now at the moment. Yeah. Um everything just seems to fall into place. And it only really started to happen the last two years. I've really kind of learned um what my body needs and and uh how to basically progress at a at a quicker rate, you know.
0: Yeah. I mean I'd be of the opinion now, like, um, People's training age, you know, you can start competing at forty and theoretically you could compete until your sixties. Um, yeah. I mean, the wear and tear is gonna be different. So I do think that um in a sense starting late puts you um it gives you an advantage over, you know, certain guys you'd be coming up with. I mean, they'd definitely be dropping off in their thirties, like with injuries and stuff like that. So, in terms of your longevity, it's going to be a step further anyway. So, it doesn't yeah, really make a difference. I mean, at the end of the day, um, the physique is always going to look a certain way, um, depending how long you've been at it. Yeah. Um, that being said, you competed So you competed in 2013. Um, did you always stick with Naba, or did you go into the IFBB affiliates? <laughs>
1: I had, a, I had a disaster, um, so it was 2013, um, 2014 I was actually dieting down to go on holidays. Okay. The stupidest thing you could ever, th- I was just dieting so hard and I actually caught a, a an infection, so 2014 <laughs> I was going to compete later that year but I ended up in hospital um, with pericarditis you call it, it's an infection around the heart so it's a wee sack around the heart, that was just a viral infection. But obviously, right. because I was dieting, my immune system was super low, and uh, of course, I caught that caught the infection. Ended up in hospital for a week, and right. uh, so that ruled out that year, Um 2015. Then I chanced my arm at the UK BFF, which would basically would have been IFBB qualifier, yeah,
0: um,
1: the, the Northern version of the RIBBF, basically, yeah. And that show obviously then because um that was my second show, and it's obviously weight classes, so. I, I, I kind of had an idea, i ninety. be under 90, um, so that was grand. We died it down for it um, and I was working my guy at the time and I was absolutely, it was only months I was absolutely peeled beyond belief. It was the hardest prep I've ever done, even to this day. I was shredded and it was so hard. Um, the guy worked me really, really hard and uh, coming in the final week, do you know the way you get people who say, oh, but I was looking class a week out and different things? Well. Until I witnessed this firsthand, um, so we basically everything was working perfectly. I came up the night before the show, as weighing eighty six kilo, mm-hmm. um, and I mean it was just a nice, a nice balance. You wouldn't have touched anything. We shouldn't have touched anything. Um, and at this stage, we had a wee bit of aldactone, in. so we had a wee bit of aldactone. In. It was only like maybe twenty five milligram. It was very, very small. Yeah. Um, and and the water was still on, so nothing was. Everything was looking bang on, perfect. And the night before the show. <laughs> They give me an diuretic, which was a half, I think. I can't remember which was, but it had a wee bit of elastics in it, and that was just game over. Woke up the next morning, um, weighed in for the show, eighty-one kilo, so that was five kg gone yeah. overnight. That was I mean, that was just a wipeout, and for me that was a very very hard one to swallow because it was a twenty-week prep, and for it to be just gone the gap overnight <clears> was crazy, and at the time. I didn't have the knowledge They fix it in the morning and to be honest I should have probably just start drinking water and putting sodium back in but um, I did, just didn't have that knowledge back then
0: yeah
1: um, and to be honest I should, it should never have happened it should never we should never have took that extra extra wee butt but it just it, again I, I take it as a learning curve it was a good learning curve but I'll never make a mistake again <laughs> you know um, I weighed in at 84, 81 kilo and I came fourth that show um, so it didn't, still didn't come last, but oh, the, look, the look compared to the day before was just day and night. It was terrible. Mm. And I was disgusted at myself. Um, so after that, there was a couple of shows later that year. And people tell telling me, just go on to them shows. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it. So I basically straight on the off-season. I'm um, prepped right around um, 2016 for the April shows, which would have been um, PCA. It was the very, very first PCA show mm-hmm. um, in, in Ireland. And the NABBA was a week later. So I made the move. At that time, I was training extreme gym. That was a, that was a gym in Derry as well, um, on the water side of Derry, and it was a good, good hardcore gym, but I was, I was running on the 2016 shows, and there was nobody there with the experience, know that you could really, really trust. So I made the move back to Pro Gym and back to Dave Fox was there. Basically, they'd look after me. I um, uh, did the Novice PCA um, and won that. Now I literally just because NABA was a week later, we didn't do any peak week, we didn't do any carb up, no water, no nothing. I just literally went on it as a training session. Um so we walked into the show and what I liked about it was the condition was really, really good, and it was just all the details there, all the lines were there, we didn't cut water, we didn't carb up, um, and it was a really nice look. But obviously you're gonna be a wee bit flat, but um it was an enough anyway. We won that we won the novice, which meant then we had to step up to class two a week later in the NABA. So Went on the Naba then, Class 2 the week later. We carved up heavy. I put on about 7 pounds, and the luck was just drastically different. Just looked a lot, lot bigger. Possibly, maybe not as tight, but it was a class luck. I loved it, and uh, I won Class 2 as well. So that was a good thing for me. We kind of redeemed the year before. It was on it was my head. I needed that confidence back, basically, to keep moving forward. You know what I mean? So two ones back-to-back. Back. Um, It was nice. So it was good to uh, kind of come back after... The, the terrible run of the year before.
0: Deadly man, deadly.
1: No, that's great because I
0: think look at the end of the day, um, I think the losses build you up. I mean, especially when you get a chance to learn about, you know, water manipulation and all that kind of fun stuff. I mean, uh, at least last year, um, two of the four shows are at least two of the shows I did anyway were messed up, because I did that, I did exactly what you just said, you looked okay going into it, and then you popped I think it was I popped a half la- Or I think I popped like, I went overboard I popped like one la- last six in the m- evening, and then I popped one the next day thinking in my head, okay it's gonna be it's gonna yeah. be good didn't have a coach to tell me anything so do you think like um working with um a second eye or not even a coach but having somebody there to make sure you don't do too much of this or that do you think that's it's a very important it's important that's very, very,
1: like obviously I did I continued on um and basically that the 2017 season myself as well um with just someone looking over you but you were making the calls yourself and after that season I just thought to myself I I need a, I need to offload this it was just too much stress and the thing that I say to people is how can you make accurate decisions on your physique when you're emotionally involved? So obviously I'm, I'm making decisions for me. I'm looking at the mirror. And one minute I'm looking great. The next minute I'm looking, I'm thinking, oh, you look shit. You cannot make them decisions. You're not clear thinking. No matter, like I have a good, I had a good knowledge um, and understanding of my body because obviously I competed so many times. But for me, in that state where you're depleted down, your you're not thinking. You're not thinking clearly. Whereas someone else will stand back and they'll see the clear picture. Do you know what I mean? So, that's whenever two thousand and eighteen, um, I basically offloaded my prep in on day, um, the giant big like Jamie Jojo, and this was I kind of joined. I started started with him for an off season, okay. Um, first before we done to the two thousand nineteen season. So, the big thing with for him was just kind of. I seen him I seen him on YouTube or somewhere They got there and I basically just, just started chatting to him. Um and he just talked sense, and say especially regarding the peak week thing, the final week. Like they got always for me, I was always doing a lot of research on that and see to get that right. Everybody's just saying, I oh, don't change too much, but don't change too much a what. That's uh, it was just all and then when it comes to that peak week, you know, you're there and you're in the you're in the thick of it. So any wee decision you make it could be the wrong one. So I thought I just need to get a wee bit more knowledge in this this field, you know. So um, I started on my home, um, and I'm still on him home to this day, like, you know, I haven't looked back. So we did the 2019 season, and it was my best year yet. The stress, there was just no stress. I just did what he said. Um, obviously, in the final weeks and stuff, we bounced off each other quite a lot. Um, but it all just came together perfectly. And to be honest, he didn't do anything out of the ordinary, but um, it was just all so simple. Uh, but it made sense, you know. Yeah,
0: no, I think Jamie Joanne is... Um... No, I think he's phenomenal. Um, like every every person I know, I have a friend now who's over in the UK before the virus. He was training in his gym, um, up in Ilkingston. But with the I have an interesting question. Um the Northern Irish scene has always been I've always felt it's like ten years ahead of what we have here. Um, yeah. especially back ten years ago or five years ago, I think the new muscle contest. i think certain avenues have given the republic a bit more breathing space for shows but i always thought yours st- that the 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 northern Irish standard was always leaps leaps above because of the funneling system you guys had yeah um, being connected to um like essentially the the, the the all the shows you had were qualifiers for the finals, whereas over what we have, it's just the one and done. we don't really have anything Bar the Europeans or the Arnold Classic or the Universal worlds at the time. Yeah. we didn't have like an Irish overall because there wasn't enough people in it. Yeah. But, uh, did you feel like you know you know coming up in, the, in, in Derry and coming up in like an area which is fairly heavy in bodybuilding history? Um, with guys such as Billy and you know Dave, and then you have like up-and-comers like um Josh Coyle and whoever else you know James Gibson. Um, I, yeah. I could probably go on. Emma Gormley, uh like anyone who's listening or watching, um, like give those guys a look. I'm sure is there is there any other guys like when you were coming up? Um, was there any guys or girls even? Like you said you know like that 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 were excelling at the time,
1: you know, was there any like kind of um motivational pickups, I suppose? See the sta- the standard whenever I was coming, I'd see whenever I started, it was all kind of the older guys, obviously it was always they were just all peaking. Yeah. So you had boys you had boys like Al Smith there, who's an abba pro complete another mass monster, greeny, greeny condition, crazy. Um you had boys like Paul Stewart.
0: Yes yeah,
1: yeah Like see, see and you've obviously got Dave there, Dave Fox, um like Mark Mark you've all these guys cool. and then um you're looking at them and you're thinking, Jesus, they're like they're like light years ahead. You know what yeah. I mean? Um just the mass that they had and the condition that they were bringing was crazy. Um but obviously then whenever I started competing, I was kind of just looking at the guys that was basically going to make him one against me, but that was a threat to me, you know. Um but do you remember like Frankie Michael Levy? Uh, no I
0: never uh, never met him. Never never seen him.
1: Big Frankie was uh he he actually was in my class at school. Okay. And he was like he was class two as well. He just messed out on overall um lab A title, but he he lost it to Paul Stewart. Yeah. And like he was a beast. He was a beast. Um and then his wee brother Johnny was actually in pro gym as well. He's another freak. Um he won the PCA. He he did his first season. It was it two thousand and seventeen? I think two thousand seventeen. He did a season along with me, and he did PCA, and then he did an abba, and he just cleaned up. But then he just stopped training. Oh, um, and he just stopped. So them two guys are two brothers. and they're just two genetic freaks. Yeah. Um, who had all the potential, basically, they take it all away, and they just they've just kind of stopped. Um, which is kind of sad to see. But there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of talent in the north. Like that's what people say. Oh, uh, why would you be bored by local shoes or national shoes? But if you look at the standard there, they're not easy shoes they won't. No.
0: No, not um, at all. I mean, like from my own experience I me mean, going up there and doing the um um the the, the Belfast show we did. Um like I mean uh, every show I've done, it's been a weird mix. It's 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 when I started out, um they were stacked. I mean, uh, my first show, it was under-21s, and there was 24 people in the class. Um, it's unheard of, you know, now. Um, especially in juniors, because like, all the young guys would be splitting off to go into classic or men's physique, and then you get the bodybuilders who want to stick with bodybuilding.
1: Yeah. But, um, see, you know, it's crazy. We, we, see, because back then, there was only bodybuilding. Yeah. So you had it; you were forced. That's where you had to go. Um, whereas now, there's that many different classes. You just yeah. don't get. Like that's the thing that I don't like about it now. Um, up north, especially, if you go to a I and I show, um, the classes are stacked right up until you get to the master classes, yeah. and you're looking, and you might only have six or three or two or someone might even only be one in a class, and you're going, "What the hell? What has happened?" Like you know. um But the standard. See, see what I always say is if if you get the guys now, the kind of active guys in the scene, they all go at the one time. Yeah. That would be insane. That would be insane viewing. Like, um, because there is a lot of guys, basically, with a lot of talent in, in the north. Um, and then you look at the PCA, you've got all the south as well. So, yeah. that PCA show for me is probably one of the hardest shows they won, Because um, yeah. you've got guys coming from everywhere.
0: Yeah, I remember the RBBF, I remember the guys who come down from up north to do that one. Um, So, I remember like, I remember we'd be competing the week before in Dublin and we'd have um you know, it'd be the regular like it would be the people we'd would compete with or be in my area. And then, yep. you know, next time you'd get an extra you usually get an extra load of it would be an it would be almost a third more competitors into the following week, let's say. Um, which was great. So we always had like um um you know, certain guys would do the Naba Ireland. They, I know they did the Ireland because they wanted the title of Mr. Ireland. Um, yeah. And then I know the RBBF was a good route to qualify anyone really for, for, for the Arnold Classic and stuff like that. So instead of doing the UK BFF, yep.
1: you,
0: you also had that option of doing the, um, you know, the Europeans and stuff like that. But the, I mean, like I remember my first exposure to Northern Irish bodybuilding was. There was already pros up there, like we didn't have that. I mean, you guys had Masoom, but um, does he train out of Pro Gym as well?
1: Yeah, Masoom, Masoom trains in Pro Gym. Um, uh, we've got uh, Masoom's AFBB Pro, Emma Gormley's on there AFBB Pro. Um, who else? There's actually an odd gear there. Alison Leary too, will train at a pro gym. She's a pro, you know. So there's a there's a lot of guys like up there, you know, in gears too, like with good good quality physiques. Um, Masoom, one of them guys. He's a, he's two one two pro, but you just look at him and he's just a freak. He's just the uh, muscles or bellies are just bubbling out him, um, and crazy crazy strong. So Great. Great. it's just a, just a weak tank.
0: <laughs> I love his physique. It's so round. It's so full. Like it's just yep. there's nothing missing. I think the only thing with him is he'll get outsized. That's where he loses it. It's not yeah. not missing anything. It's just he's not big enough.
1: I think whenever he comes on um, competition, like he's uh, maybe 197, 198 pounds, something like to get there. So he's, he's given off, say, 12 pounds, these guys. Um, right. And 12 pounds when you're that size is huge. It's a lot.
0: I mean, it's like, a lot. Do, you, do you feel now as a taller competitor um, that places you, it gives you an advantage and in a way
1: you can look at it two ways i think well class two my kind of height is probably a good height where you're kind of in between you're in the medium kind of category where you're not too tall and you're not too short the shorter guys can fill the physique out better do you know what i mean they're shorter so you can you can fill the muscle out um and for the taller guys it's very hard to fill a tall frame i'm kind of somewhere in the middle so um middle ground i'm falling i'm falling it not too bad but i still have a lot to go a lot to go
0: I mean what body weight did you compete at? Um in your last show as opposed to your first show?
1: I mean. Oh, first show first show I was probably only I think about eleven and a half stone. Okay. Yeah. Really, really small. Um, and yeah. believe it or not, at NABA <clears throat> NABA NA, which was the first show in the season, a lot of people you'll get a lot of bodybuilders and they'll not tell you the proper width. Because they get this, uh, they always like they put out this big weight. So I could turn around and tell you, you no, know, I was 15 stone on stage, shredded, but I wasn't. <laughs> uh, I was 13 stone, um, 13 stone nine pound. Okay. At NABBA, which was my first show, yeah. And I, I was, I was pretty, pretty. There was not much left. There was, I was shredded like um, PCA. Three weeks later, I went up three pound, so three oh. pound more fullness, which was a really, really nice mix. So I think I was 13 11 there. Oh. And that was just a perfect match because I was nice and full and I was still dry and, yeah. and hard. And then the words end, which was basically an weeks, I was 14 stone on the button, but I just didn't have I can know that same. Because basically what happened after PCA was I won the overall title. I thought, like in my head, going into this 2019 season, I just had overall in my head, that was a, a just overall title. I wasn't thinking about coming out of the class because I wasn't good enough for a class, I wasn't good enough overall. I just had this thing about be last man standing. I just needed it, um, and I was chasing that down. Yeah, and I kept saying, and and openly said it. I said to people, I says, they said, hey, "What what do you think?" I'm going, I'm going to move overall, and I want it. I want that overall title. Um, and for that, to get that at PCA, it was just it was unreal. It was a really, really one of the moments where everything just kind of felt uh, solidified that, geez, I have I've actually done this. I've actually achieved this. Like I am. I am a decent bodybuilder, you know, it just kind of brought everything back. There's a lot of emotion on that day because every year leading up to that, that's, that's the one goal I had was to be the last man standing on that stage. And yeah. to do it that day with the quality of competitors that was there was insane. Um, yeah, it was
0: a good show, man. I enjoyed, I enjoyed um, doing it. But I mean, one important point, like what people should be listening to is the fact that you came in peeled in your first shot. <laughs> i mean a lot of people don't do that i mean i certainly didn't so i think i think coming in in condition from the very get-go it kind of leaves you with like i tell people this when you get in condition once it doesn't make it any easier but at the same time it shows you that okay okay i can do it okay so the only thing you really have to worry about once you've gotten into shape once. Is about making the improvements. Um. So, did you find? Did you find when you came in condition? You know, and uh, what what were the comments made? Was it generally just fill up the frame a little bit more? You already like just the basic things just get a bit bigger and stuff like that.
1: See, whenever I came on, basically that first show, there was no the comments I was getting back was actually surreal. There was just everybody was just saying that it was the best I've ever seen. You know, because the presentation. I was full, I was full too, you know, and I was just super dry. I was really, really conditioned. Um, And I remember going on that show, It's actually a good one, Um, and a lot will probably relate to this, was I was coming on that show and I was probably ready three weeks out. So I was really, I was like, so see, the last three weeks of that show was when it really hit me, and at that point where every footstep you felt. And then there was one time I was actually telling the guy, one of the guys was training me, I just texted him, I said, look, I don't want to be cheeky, but let's just not talk today at training. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because
1: my yeah. brain cannot process uh any more today. I was just done. I just look, and he goes, No, no problem. So we went into the gym and literally grinded the session out. He busted my ass. Um and at the end of the day, we were able to I was able to just chat down because I was able, I know, all right, I've got that done now, I've survived it, let's move on the next day. And it was one day at a time, um, type of thing. But you see, the thing is, too, like, um, the job I'm in, I'm an engineer, so it's I do programming, which is all, there's no physical work, it's all mental, so it's you're programming on a laptop.
0: Cool.
1: So whenever the, whenever the body fat's off, you know, your mind starts to, you have to really, really put a lot of effort on there to try and concentrate, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's why I basically what was saying to him is, listen, we're not being shaky here, but there's no talking today, just don't be talking to me. Um, I was busted
0: i've been there i mean i felt like i felt you know you have to get into that place though yeah. um and do you find that surrounding yourself you know like you'd like i would refuse to train with certain people now i wouldn't train with the only people i train with would be people better than me um, yeah. um myself or pretty much a client like i'd say a bodybuilding client so even with my um. Like if I had a friend asking me to train them or oh they want to come with me, I tell them politely, no. But yeah. on your end, man, would you would you be telling? Would you be of the same mindset? You know, if you want to be the best, you have to surround yourself with like-minded individuals.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent. Like you know, um, like I had a friend I only really had one training partner. Um, and I, we, we trained. We don't train together now, but um, we trained for years on end. And the thing was, the man was a beast. He was 19, 20 stone, yeah. um, strong as a bull. So I was getting butterflies in my stomach and the that man. Because I was thinking to myself, how the fuck am I going to keep up with him today again? Like, you know, I was—he was destroying me. But it was good for me because I was getting all the growth. I was—I was chasing him, constantly chasing him. Um, and I got a stage in where I had to train a wee bit smarter. He still trains like a lunatic, yeah. <laughs> so he does. So I was just like, right, I need to train a wee bit smarter. Um, and obviously I just get the headphones on now and I feel like I can really just connect with the muscle I like that and I can get the training sessions done. Um, I find there's very few people that I can train me um, because they would either hold me back or I would get frustrated. And I don't want to come across as that person where you don't want to be a dickhead to anybody or come across like that, but you're there to do a job. And I find once I go on the doors, the pre-work rates on, I just want to get it done. Um, I'll have a wee chat while I'm warming up. But once I'm warmed up and the sweat's on, just nobody talk to me. Just don't talk. Um, we just have to get the job done, you know. Um, but that's where you have to be.
0: Yeah. I mean, I find during prep anyway, like, I might be a bit weird now. During prep, I like training with people um, just for the extra push because I know I'm capable yep. more during the actual gym sessions. Um, so I just need a push. In the off-season, I can kind of do it on my own. Except for maybe a spot and certain lifts, but that'd be it. Um with yourself with yourself, would you say you're training with a ramp up in intensity um from preseason to off, or would you keep it the same the whole way through? Just change it around, you know. Training training,
1: um going on day prep just doesn't change. It just stays exact same, exact same split, exact same rest. And the, the key thing for me Get on their prep as performance. You have to keep your strength. See, yeah. once you start to see that dip in strength, especially at the early stages, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah your, your food's too low. Your recovery is not right, um, and you're just not getting the rest or whatever. But um, you have to keep your strength high because see, once that strength starts to dip, you're losing muscle. Yeah, you know you're definitely going to lose muscle. You're going to lose fullness in the physique. A lot of people, it's this thing in their head where they start a prep and they think they can do higher reps and stuff. Um, and then, obviously, as you get more and deep into prep, they're saying, oh, well, my muscles are dry now. I don't want to go too heavy. If, yeah. if the strength's there, just do it. Do the weight. Because, um, obviously, be safe and listen to your body's feedback. But if you have the strength, then you have to keep pushing that strength because you keep all your tissue and you're going to burn extra calories. So I just don't get why people try to change everything on their prep. It's the exact same.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you literally change the diet. The food chips down. Um, and as a result of your output staying high, you're going to get, you're going to get leaner um, and you're going to hold that fullness too you in your physique.
0: Yeah. I mean, I tell people this as well. It also depends. I mean, um, like we have no excuse to not push hard in terms of dieting because um, like what I tell people is when you're doing bodybuilding, if you go natural bodybuilding, of course, you're going to have to be a bit more careful. You're going to have to do a longer diet and make sure you hold as much tissue as possible. But when you're doing, you know, as I call it, you know, you know, enhanced extracurricular bodybuilding, all that enables you to do is be a little bit harsher in terms of your dieting. If you need to drop to, you know, a certain amount of calories or carbs, you can do that without losing tissue. Yeah. But the... The, the enhancements only allow you to train um, with added you know it'll it'll allow you to grow not necessarily grow but you won't lose tissue as long as you're training hard and heavy um,
1: no exa- not exactly I think I think once once obviously the enhancers are on there um, and your protein is high enough yeah. you're not going to drop muscle tissue that easy you're definitely not going to drop it that easy The, the problem being pe- people starts the start of your prep is going determine a lot on the end of your prep yeah. If you're starting a prep um, and you are three stone to drop, you're not going to be peeled um, yeah. at the end. And if you are peeled, you're going to lost a lot of muscle. So yeah. I always say if you're starting a prep 16 weeks out, you want to be pretty lean. Not yeah. not, not stupidly, but you need to be well at yourself. Um, maybe at the maximum, two stone. I wouldn't be dropping any more than that. Ideally, a stone and a half, you know, something to get there. Um, and it allows you to get that condition. You know, people always say to me, well, "How do you get so shredded?" It's it's a really simple process, but I always one key thing I always do is I always start the prepping. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so we're slowly chipping down. I'm losing two pound a week, and that's it. And at the end, you're at three weeks out, you're ready.
0: Yeah. See, I've never been in that position. I mean, I've never been completely shredded yet, so I can't say what's it like to be ready at three <laughs> three weeks out. Like I'm always, um, my issue has always been I get to six weeks because I've always like. When I was a junior, I did it myself. Um, Last year, I did it with Christian McElinden. He helped me for my very first show. Um, And then I did my last load of shows myself. And then Tommy Stanton helped me for my very last one. But I find, like, this is, as a coach, um, do you find, like, um, how do you, you? You're obviously, you know, full-time working, but you have a coaching business on the side. What yeah. made you decide I want to do online coaching? I mean, because it's it's obviously, you know, it's very much a. It can be productive, but um, I wouldn't do it unless you had a second income to start it off. I mean, so how did you yeah, get into so- coaching?
1: That's that's basically what came out of the way. Always, it was always one of them things where you always have a big like passion. Like see show prep and stuff. I'm just fascinated by getting in shape. Um, so it was always kinda of a passion that you had anyway, getting in shape and watching people get in shape. Mm-hmm. And then I wouldn't have started years ago because I wouldn't have had the knowledge um to do it. So basically I, I was always something I wanted to do. Um, and the reason I started it was because you got to a level where your knowledge is um you invested it. In, I've I've invested years and years into this, so all that there all builds up. Um, and whenever I th- I felt like I had a good knowledge base, they basically give out good content and good advice. Um, I just started it up, but as you say, I still have my job, my own job. Um, and I wouldn't have I wouldn't have just jumped on and went online coaching full time straight off the bat, um, yeah. because it takes time. It takes time to build up. It takes time for people to see your results, to people to get confidence in you. You know, so it is going to be a long term thing. But again, it does take time for it to build up. Um, I was lucky enough. Probably two coming off the back of them ones and stuff. Uh, 2019 when I started it up. Um, my coaching online coaching business took off um, pretty cool. quick for the first. Um, so I was pretty busy from the start, um, which was which was really good. Um, and then coming into this year, I actually had six people um, going for shows. Average. We got the six weeks out. Well, one guy was four weeks out for a muscle contest, and we had to pull up him. Madness.
0: Wow. And think they were. I mean, like. Did you see what they did with the Arnold? They 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 only let competitors in for the finals. So it's like the prejudging was blocked off, you know, there was no expo. Um, you know, they're pushing forward the Olympia. Um, it's a crazy, crazy year to get into bodybuilding. I mean, I had one client but he was only going to be doing um I think it was spring initially, and then we said October. But that, like, October down here is meant to be going on. I mean, we've yeah. got dates. But I I told them, look, I don't want to put you under that mental stress of having to worry about, is it going to be on or not? So with all your clients, if you have, have – uh, they all pulled out from all their shows – just off season.
1: No. Basic basically when it started, um, the first the COVID was only meant to be two weeks. You remember, two weeks lockdown, blah blah. Yep. So everybody kind of just says, you know what, let's hang tight, let's stay, we'll stay in condition. Um, it'll be grand. We'll have the show down <clears> later in the year, no problem. But sure oh, all hell broke loose. Um, so basically all the guys now is basically reverse dated and then off season. Yeah. Um, and realistically, you're looking at the end of the year. We'll go ahead. I've told them likely not. I think I think this years a wipeout I really do because by the time gym's open people have to try to get back into the gym um, and then get back in contest shape I don't think it's going to happen
0: are you guys still shut until October like the the, like
1: England that's mental yeah and that's crazy I mean
0: I do think it'll be I mean even over down here it's like um, August but like I mean I'm already we're already halfway through it at this I tell people this like look um I tell people unless you're you know mute to the game or like you're at a level where you need stimulation like heavy heavy weights um you're not necessarily gonna grow okay unless you have a home kit like yourself um, you can maintain like it's not hard to hold weight it's actually fairly easy to hold weight just doing like the basics with some bands and keeping the food high but um like i mean i know a few guys who have their own private gyms um quite near me so once the restrictions get lifted a little bit higher i'll just start going to there but at this point i'm just doing bands but you've a, you've a good um home kit you've like how'd you manage to get that did you just say you know what? i'm just gonna get sorted out just kill myself and um stay at the start yeah.
1: of lockdown, I basically had, went basically back to my mum's house who had the wee banks I used when I was 17. Cool. So I got that and I had a couple of dumbbells and I thought, right, this is me you now, I'll use these. Yeah. And obviously, obviously, you started using it and you could do a half decent wee session, a wee pump, but I was going, fuck, this isn't going to work here. Yeah. So it was basically, I was basically pricing around, trying to get a rack, a certain type of rack or something. I seen a few guys with a rack and I thought, this is a really good job here. And I have a garage out there, so um, obviously the garage was just a complete cup rubbish so i thought right you know what i'm gonna read this garage so i get a skip and we'll just uh we'll ball the wee gym but it, it, it kind of grew arms and legs i started off i was just going to get the width the bench in the rack and once i got the bench in the rack in i thought Fuck, this is this looks apart here i could get what what can i do for legs so i sourced a second hand leg press in yeah
0: cool
1: and once the leg press is on i go oh, geez what else can i get so <laughs> it's grey arms and legs there's a full gym out there now um, exactly. so I'm I'm covered. I'm covered for lockdown. But, yeah, I uh,
0: mean I think I think like a lot of people after this are gonna go and get home gyms and I'm not even thinking like another lockdown, like touch sure what it doesn't happen, but during preps and stuff um so handy.
1: especially
0: if you have a family, you know, like when they're asleep or you know, the kids are asleep, you can get up, do your first session of the day yeah or whatever. I mean, as a family man, how have you found, you know, like doing competitive bodybuilding because i mean they're obviously old enough that they know what you're doing you know it's not like it's not like having a toddler where it's kind of yeah I don't know so what what's your experience being you know competing in bodybuilding and then you know telling your telling your missus and the kids okay daddy can't do this he has to eat this <laughs> This. What, what's the general situation been for yourself
1: for me um it hasn't been too bad. Uh, obviously, the the rest of the guys they they eat, but they won't. Um, whenever the wee guy was a wee bit younger, he would have came to me with a cookie, sat at my knee, and says, "Daddy, just have the cookie." And I'm going, "No, I can't eat that." And he's going, "Like, ah, just take one wee bite maybe and put that under your mouth," and yeah. you're you're looking to eat the whole cookie. But I've kind of got the mentality where food doesn't really bother me. So while I'm sitting eating, I could be sitting eating white fish and rice or whatever, and they will be having a chicken curry. But and obviously. I like the, it's, it's we- weirdly, I like the smell of the food and okay. the taste buds start to, but uh, it, the food doesn't really bother me. So, juggling the whole family thing, I just kind of, the, the family has to come first no matter what. Yeah. But you can't fit your training in. So, as long as I get training, then the rest of the day is my day or whatever. So, you go to your work, after work finishes, I go to the gym straight away, get it done, and then the rest of the time's family time. So, it can be done. Obviously, it's not as ideal as if you were a single man, but um, it's it's more than doable, and then the thing about it is, whenever you're at the shows and they're at the shows as well, and you're like that time I won that overall, they basically think I'm this superhero. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like a it's a great feeling, um, and they be buzzing off it. So we got them wee t-shirts done with the NXT on it and the and the pro gym in the back and stuff. It's it's good. It's good yeah, to How help,
0: like. old are how old are the kids now? Like
1: my wee gear is sixteen and the wee boy is um, seven. Perfect so it's like we actually we actually had the week here whenever i was only 17 we're still together so i'm actually with my missus now i think 18 years
0: right
1: so we're 16
0: and you're in your 30s now then you're in
1: your 30s now
0: yeah crazy crazy Crazy. edmund i know i know a good few bodybuilders who had kids and i think it's actually made them better bodybuilders because um they literally just plan um Christian said he just planned his meal times around his son's eating. So it's like I figure if you have a kid and the baby's gonna be eating, Uh, anyway, just eat at the same time. (laughs) Bodybuilding. sleep. Yeah, but that's awesome, man. That's awesome because I know, like, look at the end of the day, I you're gonna get the occasional competitor, you know, who you know pushes their family away and. um, Uh,
1: You see it time and time again, you know. Um, you see it in the scene, you know, a lot of guys going through your relationships um, and families suffering and stuff, and possibly them not even at a level where people have to remember it's a hobby.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, until you're a professional and making thousands of pounds of it, out of it, then, you know, um, people have to remember it's just a hobby. And uh, obviously, it's a very consuming one 24 7, 365, but it is what it is. You just have to make the best of it um, and enjoy it.
0: Yeah. If that being said, if, if any of you, if you're, one of your kids wanted to do bodybuilding would you would you be a parent that says no or would you be a parent that says yes i mean like i don't have a kid so i can't really say but my general consensus is if, if they wanted to bodybuild and i say no at least in my case i still did it anyway yeah contrary to what people said for me not to do so i think i would be better off telling them yes um but just steer them away from bullshit.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, at the end of the day, whenever they get to a certain age, um, my wee man at the moment he's he's actually on a wee football team since he was five. So he's actually playing. They're like training four days a week, two training sessions and two matches a week. Yeah. So four four days a week, he's actually playing football, which is crazy for a seven year old. Um, so he's playing. He's flat out playing football. But there's going to come a time where maybe, um, obviously if I'm still doing it, which I probably will because I'm not going to stop. Um, he's going to probably look to do the wits or whatever so um, I can teach him all the right ways to do things the right nutrition and all the rest and then at the end of the day if he's still playing the football and he's using the wits for performance or whatever then all well and good but if he wants to take it further on the bodybuilding side then again it's his choice and yeah. by that stage they're old enough to make their own decisions do you know what I mean but at least we're here with experience to guide him in the right direction do you know what I mean
0: yeah I mean because I came from a very weird position where um, like my family aren't sporty at all there's no sporting background like even in the extended family there's no sports so it's like i was the first um one in the household to really you know it wasn't as if i picked rugby or football i picked bodybuilding (laughs) so it's like okay right (laughs) so you know especially you know i think at the end of the day um they're just worried about health i'm like look That's that's the least of my concerns because I make it, you know, I monitor everything. And, you know, I, as a bodybuilder, like, um, like, would you, with your clientele and stuff like that? I mean, I when I'm working with somebody, I would tell them, generally, bloods. Three three times a year, you know, twice during, uh, I I generally say before the off season, after the off season, and before prep and after prep. That would be it for myself. Yeah. But well, with yourself, would you would you generally be, you know, get the markers in place,
1: make sure. Your- um We, I'm actually looking off. They have uh, one of my friends um, through the gym. He's actually a doctor, so anything I need or anything, that, he does a full MOT. He does all the bloods. Um, they all come back, and then he, he, he emails them to me as well, so I can see them. Um, and all the markers. Obviously, when you're doing this here, your markers can be up and down or whatever, so you need to see what you need to correct. One thing, like, so anybody, uh, like, see, the thing is, people's quick to spend money elsewhere, but they won't get blood, their bloods done and they won't get good advice on their bloods, and that's just stupid for me because it's like a car. You, you think about the car, the bodywork might look brand new in the car, but the engine can be bust, you know what I mean? So you need to look after your insides. Um, so I agree, three times a year um, for bloods, I think, is enough. Definitely enough. Three times a year is fine. One product I found um, that really helped me was the Strom Support Max. Okay. I've used that now religiously um, for two years, and my bloods have never been as good. Like, I got my bloods done post-show. Um, so I did three shows back-to-back, back, which would have been harsh on the body. Um, and then, obviously, the surgery. I was on a lot of morphine and stuff. And two weeks after I got out from hospital, I went down and got my bloods done. And my bloods was just bang on back in range. I couldn't believe it. Crazy, crazy. And the, the, the support max 100% was, was uh, contributing that definitely. Lover oh. values, kidney values, everything was bang in range. Okay, fair enough. And cholesterol, cholesterol everything they got too was was level. I, I could, couldn't believe it. And then I actually got them done there a few months back. Um, same again, bloods are still in range. So it's one of them products I'll never take out again because um, until I put it on, um, they definitely weren't looking to get. So it's definitely one to think about. Do you take it? No,
0: I generally, I generally, you know, I, I'm fairly lucky. Um, like every time I get my bloods done um, at the end of any push and then um, generally at the end of prep. So obviously after weight gain and then just after prep. Um, but I've never, I've, I've just taken the ba- basic, you know, if I'm not getting in certain things, I'll generally just supplement them elsewhere. But I've never really needed... I've been very lucky in my bloods. I've generally been quite stable, because I've never really pushed it in terms of ex- Uh, in terms of drugs, I've never really pushed it that hard. So, um, the only time my bloods have been off is when I gained a ton of weight and the blood pressure went up, and then it stabilised. But I think that was the worst thing. Um, was gaining like 20 kilos after the shows. But <laughs>
1: Uh, did you ever do anything like that? Any rookie mistakes? Uh early 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 shows, um obviously the first show, probably on the second and third show, yeah. it was just a binge, binge fest where you would have just ate everything in sight, um and you probably put on two or three stone oh, yeah. in a week. And you were just like a Michelin man, you couldn't move with water attention and it was just I see me sitting on the sofa with my stomach completely extended out, um, mm-hmm. bloated. And still trying to eat do you know what i mean it was just crazy um but recently i would i would really really control it now i would maybe have one or two days completely off and then i would start to try and reverse back out of where i was um and it works it works a lot better like you can still have you can still have a few few tricks in there but i have I'm a big believer in the rebound see the rebound phase after the show yeah that can last you four weeks. Like I think you'll get away with no matter what you're get away eating anything for four weeks, and you'll still look pretty good. See, after that, then you're just gonna turn into a complete blob, very, yeah. very fast. Um, I'm a big believer that you can you can maintain that um, that four weeks. You can extend that to four months if you like. Yeah. You know, if you ma- if you manage it properly post show, um, and just slowly add more food every every week. Yeah. So you don't okay. want You don't want to be jumping up too fast.
0: No, I mean, do you think there's? Do you think there's any benefit to? I mean, like I've always had two trains of thought about it. Um, I've always said like it depends on how long your off season is going to be. I mean, like if you're not competing anytime soon, absolutely take your time and you know try hold a leaner body weight or whatever. But I think there's the other argument that can be made. Um, I think it was Fuad Abiyad who said it, and I think it was like at the end of eight weeks um in your off season from a prep you're gonna be at the same body weight anyway so do you think there's any merit to just getting up there and then just holding it and then worrying about it or would you rather um taper it up slowly and then
1: um go from there? I've I've kinda of done two the both approaches so I'm definitely in favour of keep it slowly tapering it up simply for the fact is your body stays so much more insulin sensitive no insulin sensitive so you're just partitioning them nutrients so much better your pumps are so much better everything just works so much better if you um completely pack out straight away you're putting on all those tons of weight a lot of it's just water weight and shite um you're lethargic you feel the crap so you're not going to get the uh, the the sessions in as efficient as you would if you were just slowly tapering that up so There's a lot of wee factors there, um, and again, if you don't put on body fat too fast, um, you're going to extend that period where you can just get away by eating a lot, a lot of food for yeah. longer. Once body fat creeps up and gets to a point, you start to get a wee bit insulin resistant again, and then you have to cut back before you can push again. So, I'm a big fan of basically prolonging that period of staying kind of semi lean. Everything just working so much better, and your partition and everything so much better. Um, I, I've tried both, and trust me, at from my experience anyway, and even even with clients and stuff too, it does work a lot better.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you 100% because um, I did that. I, I kind of rebounded fairly fast on purpose um, just to get up to the baseline because I didn't have an off-season since 2017. So I was like, you know what, let's just get back up to where we were. I surpassed that, and then I got injured about three weeks later because my own stupidity. It was like you feel great, you look great. Like I wasn't fat. It's like you look great, you feel great, you're pumped up. But the actual ligaments and joints and everything—they're still in prep. So it's like you're not going to be able to push the weight anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. So I think like
0: definitely, definitely. I think the slow rebound—it's like it just gives your body. Gives your body
1: time, a time to adjust as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. you think, you think, if anybody, anybody puts on that weight so quick, lower back pumps, your leg days are affected, your back days are affected. you know? Yeah. There's just, there's too many side effects that um, that can be avoided if you know what I mean. But it's just, there's a lot of self control needed because, you know yourself after the shows, your appetite is through the roof and there's no filling you. Yeah. So once got- that food starts to go back in, it's hard to stop.
0: Yeah, I call people food focused. I mean, like, I know I don't stop talking about food for about a week, and then it kind of dies off. But I'd be talking about food every single. I wouldn't realize it, but I'm talking about it all the time. (laughs) But I mean, on your end now, um, like, do you do you think you know, um, what's your future plans? Because obviously you're in a position now, like, like your symmetry is pretty much back. I mean, like, from what I can see anyway, I did the same thing to my knee. I didn't do it to the same degree, and I only did one leg. So Maybe. it took, Um, and I didn't have surgery on it. It was the same tendon, the patella. It was my, I had a partial tear there. Um, I did my ACL, and I tore my, one of my medial ligaments as well, but it was all partial tears all over yeah. So I had the option for keyhole surgery to just get the loose bits out that broke off from cartilage and stuff I did that
1: yeah
0: it took me at least a year and a half to two years until I felt fully comfortable now my bad leg is my good leg but ah, very good because you had the two injuries does one hurt more than the other
1: or is uh, it you see it was a funny one because my right leg was more flexible yeah. but it wasn't as strong and then my left leg is stronger but it's less flexible and to to this day now I'm still at the moment I'm having a wee bit of bruising on my left and I think it's due to do with flexibility whenever the quads tighten up and stuff because I'm obviously I'm lifting heavier now I'm starting to feel bruising in the tendon and it's hard to differentiate is it a bad bruising or is it just a recovery type of bruising do you know what I mean so I have to be really really careful with Yeah. Um. but the legs like I'm literally only properly loading them maybe two months. So they've kind of just kind of grew back, you know. So muscle memory is a good thing because these legs come back pretty quick.
0: Yeah, I mean, I found, like, I mean, on my end, anyway, um, I was told, I remember post-surgery, it was like, okay, you're going to be in a period of rehab for, I think that's on crutches for, okay, it was around 12 weeks. Like, it was long, 12, 16 weeks. Stopped at sixteen weeks, but I only stopped because it got to the point where, um, the doctors kind of. Were you in a position where you know the the recovery time is quicker, or has it been a bit longer? I mean, cause
1: yeah. So for
0: me, like it
1: took my uh, my recovery, if they've basically got the standard. There's like a standard chart of where you should be at certain stages, and. Yeah. Because, because of my muscle mass, the surgeon that did my surgery, he actually wired my kneecap as well. So basically, he wired it and locked it that I couldn't bend physically past 90 degrees. So no yeah. matter what I did, it was locked at 90 degrees. And it was basically in there in case I slipped or fell, it would protect it. So um, within five weeks, I was at 90 degrees, cool. but I couldn't get past it because okay. um, I was locked. And the, the fuzzy in the hospital was telling me to do weed body weight, uh, uh squats and stuff off a chair and try and do we light things. So I was doing this and that was grand. I went back at 12 weeks, 12 weeks, they I was supposed to get an x ray to get the, the wire out. And the wire actually wore a hole, like a big like, slot in my bone. So when, because I was moving it to 90 degrees, I was like wearing a hole in the bone because I was getting wild shin splints. I said, fuck, my legs kill me down there. What is <laughs> going on fucking big hole in my bone, massive big hole and it was me, I was leg pressing yeah. so I was in the gym, I was back in the gym rehabbing the legs I was doing the prowler, pushing the prowler and I was doing like wee small leg presses yeah. I was just wearing a hole in the bone and the doctor, the, the fuzzy told me to do this and then the doctor goes to me, oh you, you have a hole in your bone I said well the fuzzle told me to exercise it and they were going no 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 I said get that wire out, get it out so I had to go for a second surgery then yeah. Um, which basically cut the side of the knees open, and they just pulled the wire out. Yeah. And once that wire was out, the relief I got was unbelievable. Yeah. It was just causing havoc in there, so it was. Um, but one, I think it was maybe around the sixteen week mark, I had to go back to the surgeon. Um, and he basically came back, and I came back, and my legs had started to grow back at this stage, and they were because it was still lean, they were all vascular and stuff too. So I was kind of sitting there in the bed, and he looked and he looked at my legs and thought, All right. Are you training these legs?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> I was like, i ah, doing a wee bit. And he goes, like, What are you pressing here? He goes, Because you know, you're still in a there's an amber light here, you know, you could still re tear these. And I'm going, I was just kind of sitting there above his little, but my legs, you could see straight away at the legs. Because like, there was a before and after picture, you've probably seen it on Instagram that I put up. My legs was gone. They were like two, it was probably the thickness of that rust there coming out. Crazy. People don't yeah,
0: understand. Man. Like, I mean, like I did, I did my. Um, what happened to me when I was seventeen? Um, I did my right leg, so I was playing rugby. I only ever played rugby um, to get into a gym because back then, what people younger that like, what people don't realize, like I'm sh- like back, like you remember this? You had to lie about your age to get into a gym.
1: Yeah,
0: so I had to lie. I had to lie. I had to say I'm going here to do rugby. I'm going here and I'm also 16 when I was 15.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, but, uh, needless to say, um, I did my, my knee doing rugby and, um, I remember it was a, sim- a very, very similar situation. It was a case of where I went back to the physio and, like, even when, like, everything was perfectly okay, I still had pain in my knee. For about a year and a half afterwards, like I, two years after, it went away when I was twenty. So the only pain I would get now would be in my supposedly good knee. But mm-hmm. but do you find like do you find um like they fixed everything pretty good? Like you're able to do everything without any issues and there's no real discomfort. Like I'm sure there was a bit of bruising and swelling. Oh. once
1: that wire I can, is gone I, I can still I can still feel like you know the they have obviously like tied the kneecap the tendon back the kneecap I can still feel them with ropes and stuff inside the leg um yeah. it's crazy what you can feel in there you know they're, they're never going to feel 100% but when I'm training legs if I warm them up properly yeah I can I can lift pretty strong on them again
0: yeah
1: um squatting I don't go super super low because I just don't want to put any extra stress on that tendon so once I go kind of level I call it a day at that and just go back, and you're just you're you're targeting the quads, what's fine. Yeah, i um, You just I just I just need to be smart, um, but I say it's still fresh cause it's it's only I think it's only turned eleven months. Um, they told me I probably wouldn't be back training properly about a year and a half. So, yeah, um, you're I'm I'm ahead of the game recovery wise. Um, so I just got to keep it going and see where it takes me. But the plan is the plan is to come back 2021. Um, had that season, had the NABA, had the PCA again. Um. And push for them titles overall. Yeah, Pushing for the big one.
0: Love it. no, I love it because, like, at the end of the day, I mean, like, I look at him, um, um, I remember Zach can. He did the same injury. He did the same you yeah. did. Um, and it took him a lot longer, to come back. It you. took him
1: a lot. He took a long He took a massive break.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I remember he did like all the videos. That's when he really got popular. Um. Like he had two, sir. Yeah, I think he's had more than two or three surgeries. Uh, but I think that's a, a lot of it's genetic. I think a lot of it's like, um, fluid retention in the joint. Like, the worst thing I had was, um, it was definitely to do with fluid. So, like, when everything else healed back, there was still fluid in there, um, that shouldn't have been there. There was, uh, it was just uncomfortable. But once that went away, and once all the tendons kind of got a bit stronger. Um the only thing I wouldn't do is run around. I wouldn't run around or jump side to side or do anything no. explosive. Like that'd be it. Like I mean as bodybuilders we shouldn't be anyone. Anyway.
1: No. see looking back even looking back at what I was doing. Um it's it, it sounded simple enough you're just up playing a game of football but I was after three shows back to back, you know, um I was still stupidly lean. Not not much body fat there, no protection for the joints. Um, but you ever find after a show you can't lie down you're still in that zone where you're just still your body just going 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 so I was up there thinking I was like Ronaldo and then the, the wee guy tackled me and that was the end of it that was game over yeah no
0: I, I, I think the worst thing like during prep it was more Um, I think sleep I think sleep was like I found it really easy to sleep during the day because you're you're tired like so could, you could nap throughout the day and build up around like I always said like look I'm only going to get like Four hours of sleep at the end of prep, but I, um, you, you could, I used to sleep um, at breaks and stuff, and um, whenever I could. So it amounted to around six or seven throughout the the twenty. Anyway, yeah. but do you have any? Did you have any issues with that yourself, or did you manage to
1: I sleep? I think sleep, uh, the lack of sleep, is definitely. See, as the body fat goes down, um, yeah. it's inevitable. You're not going to. Your body doesn't need. Your body seems to it doesn't need as much sleep. Um, when you're super lean, you you can, like you know, you can just seem to keep going on four or five hours sleep and you're good to go. Um, feel great. Run, running on the, the first show, the Naba show, my sleep was definitely broken. Um, once I got that show at way my body fat was still down, obviously, because you were actually getting leaner and, and tighter as, as it went on. Um, but my sleep was perfect, so it was nearly like a stress thing or a mental thing. Once that first show was at way I was sleeping like a baby through the PCA and through the words. That didn't even bother me then. I was getting full night's sleep um i actually remember that the morning of the words i woke up and i forgot that i was actually doing the show <laughs> i woke up and i was like what day is it and i yeah. looked and i was covered in tan i was like jeez get up yeah, <laughs> like, like you know that's how you chilled out it was at the end of it um yeah. Yeah. the pressure was off i find yeah. i find after after i got that overall title um you see the napa words i wasn't actually doing the napa words um i qualified for it but i wasn't doing it um so we went completely on the full <clears> off-season mode. Um, obviously, I had a full full week eating junk. And I was actually sitting on a Sunday night, and I was fed up eating junk. New Year again. I was I was eating good food, but then I was eating desserts and stuff. Um, and I was, went out then, obviously, took took the missus out for, you know, three-course meal, and we are having, like, a bottle of wine and stuff. And we came home on the Sunday night, and this was uh, two weeks out from the words. Um, I was sitting there going... I had a bit of drinking, I was drinking wine, and then I had a wee whiskey sitting there and I thought, I wonder could I do the words, why did I not do that, I should have done it. And then I messaged the giant, I said, do you think I can make this here? He goes, he says, what? I says, I'm thinking of doing it. I said, sure, it's only two weeks. Um, He goes, send me pictures in the morning. So I took pictures in the morning and I thought, no, nah, no way am I making that. I was like a water buffalo um, and I was 21 point up. And I was like, no, nah, this is not happening. He goes, oh, we can do it, we can definitely do it. So... Strip, I was sitting there, had all my big meals there, I think I was on, I think we were reversing reversed out, it was like 600 or 700 grams of carbs I was on, yeah. so I was sitting there scooping all the carbs out of the meals, and uh, that was that time, we just, uh, we lost 21 pound in that one week, it was all fluid, all water, Yeah. Um, and then we did the peak week again then, so we done the word we pushed on the on the words we did he he just says look we'll just push we'll just push the baby super big and I thought hey, let's do it let's do it what what do we have to lose you know so you're standing on the words you don't want to be sitting there and look small. Yeah. Um, so we just pushed the tie And as I say, I was at my heaviest and uh super full, but just lost the baby wee bit of crispness at the back. But it was still a, it was still a good look. Really, really full, still had plenty of detail, so um it was nice to kind of try a different approach as well
0: yeah especially for the worlds where and the universe especially where i've always felt the universe is more of like it is more of a uk show because it's always in yep. the uk whereas the worlds it's it's a lot more you know it can it's it's going to be jammers from people it just so happened to be up in victoria's it, not victoria square sorry um that's birmingham um or is it 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 was in the same venue as you know a PCA whatever it was before anyway so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was that your first experience doing the Worlds or have you done it before
1: no, that was the first that was the first time going on the Um, it was a good experience you know really really good because obviously the standard of competitors that you're seeing is just mad it's insane like we it's I crazy. actually we actually got um, it was this tannin we Liquid Sunrise and it was done in a hotel yeah and all the guys is on there, obviously, and then, obviously, you're just there, there's nothing, you've got nothing on you, like, so you can see, you see how everybody looks like, and there were some big dudes, some yeah. really, really big guys, like, you know, um, I mean, you, but had
0: came, all came, pros. you had all the pros, like, all the naba pros, but, I've always had a very weird issue, with the NABBA pros, and, it's not that they're, not deserving of pro, pro, status, but, half of them don't come in shape, and, I, I've, I've kind of come to the conclusion that, the reason half of the Napa pros don't come in shape is because they 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 kind of realize it's the same people every show because there's not a lot of Napa pros to do. So yeah. it's not like an IFBB show where you have to come and peel because you know there could be you know David Henry or someone there or Flex or whatever. You're always gonna have the same kind of crew at all the Napa pro shows. So. Like I mean, was was not where your man was not. Um, I mean, this year I know like we had some great amateur NABBA winners, and then they went on to do you know the pro show and then almost win it. I mean, your man, um, what's his name, Jack Brooker? Have you
1: seen him? Oh, Jack, he's so physique, crazy, and I'm crazy like, physique.
0: He he won the he won the amateurs and then went and came second in the pros. So. Yeah. If you had the opportunity to you know turn professional in NaBA, would you do it or the pCA or would you would you do it just for i would,
1: I, would, I would take the, I would take the NABBA Procard card for just to have that status they say, you know what I've done this there's a you're, there's an elite group here um because not everyone it's, it's a hard it's a big one to get um, yeah, you have to win the words or else one of your universe or whatever your class um yeah. so would be nice to get that title. PCA I think is maybe a level again above like if you look at the PCA guys um, you have to want the overall British and if you yeah. take a look at the standard and that overall British that's IFBB Pro material yeah and, it, and guys, that's a big 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 um, standard yeah so I mean, my, my goals my goals is kind of hit the NABA. if I can get NABA professional um, and then take it from there but the PCA is that's it's crazy standard
0: I mean what people don't realise as well like um, NABA and like, especially back in the 80s, um, <clears throat> like, I mean, way back before um, there was any, you know, real divisions, you had guys going from one league to the other league to the other league, like we are now as amateurs. Yeah. But they would have been professionals. So, what I find with the way the NABA Pro stuff works, you can compete as a professional in NABA. You can also compete as a professional in the PCA. So you have those two options of avenue. Yeah. And I think like becoming an IF, like, I think you could, you may disagree with me, but my whole take on it is the IFBB is kind of geared towards guys who have the genetic um, shape to support the size that they put on whereas naba and pca they kind of reward you for the hard work so the guys who win the shows of course they'll be the most complete but they may not necessarily be the most genetically gifted in terms of structure which is what the bb is it's all structure so do you think like naba is kind of like it's the more hardcore it's like i've always felt it's like always get the guys in there. They're always like gnarly. They're huge, you know. Savage physiques. They just don't have the structure that, like, a nava, like
1: a yeah, nava, For me, it was always kind of the big mass monsters, you know, the big freaky, freaky kind of guys. But again, coming through, I think there's more guys coming now with better looking physiques than you get the big nasty, you know, the mass monsters. They're very few. Very, if you look at even now, they're few and far between.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I look at guys, That's why I love the Northern Irish scene because you have guys and they're huge, but they're not structurally bad either. It's just yep. like Mark Getty is what he's like 6'5". five. He's a 6'4". Yeah,
1: four. he's a big, 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 tall guy. Yeah, fill up
0: that frame. Like, it's impossible to fill up that frame. Like,
1: and if, if you if you look at that height, you look at that. Josh Mealy, he's a NABA pro. Um, do you know the big Viking? Jesus, yeah. that man's a beast, hey. And yeah. he brings condition. Has condition he has condition.
0: He has legs as well. I mean, legs are massive. Yeah, I mean.
1: So, so like tight. him for a tall guy, if you, I would like to see him and big Jamie johall go side by side because that would be a battle.
0: I've seen them both in person. They were both at the PCA finals and both were in off-season mode. So it's like, oh, freaky. Just free, ah, huge. But I mean, like I know Dave Fox was big back in the day. He's still holding a lot of mass anyway. But I mean, in terms of Northern Irish scene, who would you say are the up-and-comers? Like we won't count the pros because we know who the pros are. But I mean, like in my eyes, I I wouldn't be too involved in it. But um, I'd say James Gibson's probably the next
1: Gibson. Guy. Like me and Gibson um, competed a few times. Um, we're we're good buddies. Like so, I would say. If we were to go, if we were to do a show and put everybody up, uh, myself included, I would say me and Gibson would be would be right up there. Um, Gibson's probably the biggest threat. I don't want to do I let him know that like, but uh, he's got that big round um, muscle belly, thick yeah. physique, whereas I will have uh, maybe a bit more shape and, and the, the condition. So it just it's it comes down to the judges' apples and oranges. Who do you pick? You know. So I would say the two of us could be going um, in April time. But again, it's just uh everybody's circumstances. You say now you're going, but come the time we don't know who you're there, but if you line us all up it will be a good it will be a good showdown. Well, are you
0: coaching any juniors
1: or any I've a, I have have a couple of young guys in the team too. They're not they're not at the stage where they're ready to go to the stage, but um they're just they're just we small guys starting out doing things right from the start, you know. I have one wee guy down south and he's working his ass off. Really, really he's really, really skinny, wee guy. Um and he's eating a ton of food now, and he's just progressing every weekend, That's it's good to see, you know.
0: Average, no, because I was, um like, I I prepped, I prepped two people before, it was men's physique, so obviously I did what I could, Um, but I didn't have the same, didn't have the same passion for it, you know what I mean, like, yeah. I don't, like, I had, I had one client, and I was so, I'm not gonna lie, I was pretty let down, that the shows got cancelled, because it was like, I was just like, yeah, I love bodybuilding, and I love junior bodybuilding, because that's what I started off in, yeah. so for me, to coach a junior uh uh would be would be a dream because I never won it, I never came in condition enough for it to win it, but yeah. I'm like, if you can kind of win as a coach it's it, it must be rewarding enough as well. I mean, have you had any clients that have competed already? For all this
1: madness, we yeah. this was the first year running it, So we had, had six people. Um yeah. One for muscle contest. So he was four weeks out, and he was he was doing the masters, and he was pilled. I mean pilled. Um, and he had four weeks to go, so he was going to be super grainy. Oh, man. Um, and then obviously we had six in for nab and PCA. And have you seen the pictures? They're all sitting six weeks out. Yeah. They were all sitting really, looked, really bang on. And I good. was, I was got it because I was going. I was gonna have these guys shredded, you know. Yeah. It woulda, it would have been good for them. They see them do it, and then obviously it was gonna be good for me too, the online coaching. So, yeah, um, we were, we were all kind of got it. But for, for, for me, knowing what it's like to compete and what it takes for that to be pulled away at six weeks out and the uncertainty of it all, it was yeah. a, a, large mental battle for them guys, like you know.
0: Talking, talking about mental health, like we just came across the news that Luke Sando passed away, um, two days ago. Give or take. Now, obviously, it's implied, you know, that it was suicide. Um, but you know, from the videos, have you seen the videos that James Hollings said? No, put out. Like, seen them I
1: do, uh, Really, really sad. I mean, sad like, times.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because the guy had, you know, he had kids. He had the 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 girlfriend. He had, you know, one of the best in the world. Thirty-one years old or thirty years old. Um. You know, I'm kind of like the guy must have been dealing with some, you know, some 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 bad bad old demons because when all the physical stuff doesn't mean anything, yeah. You know, that's when you know it's 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 a bad thing. But do you think, like, I mean, my old take, I'm not gonna like, there's no conspiracy to what happened or anything, but my where I'm going with this is, you know, obviously it's a tragedy, but do you think this lockdown, um. I think it definitely contributed to it because whereas if somebody's going through those times and there wasn't a quarantine, you could easily just pick up a phone, call somebody or ring somebody or text somebody um now, I know he lived he had a girlfriend I'm not sure if they lived together um yeah, yeah. so that's the problem I mean, like did this last sense? So bad for all the mental. It's it's not the good. lock.
1: The lockdown's not good, especially um, as you say. Just a lot of people's out of routine, um, and a lot of people's feeling lost. You know what I mean? Obviously, look at a lot of stuff going on that nobody fully understands. You know what I mean? We don't we don't know what happened in his past um, and stuff like that. But as I say, that lockdown could have could have contributed in the fact that all him shows was cancelled. He lost his purpose. You know what I mean? He lost his way a wee bit, and then maybe it could have been just icing on the kick. You don't know. But as I say, it's a it's a for me, for someone to do that, they they go that extreme, you know, there has to be another way, you know, so it's just a pity. And you see the following he had, like my Instagram, every every single was going down through the feed, it was just Luke Sander the whole way down. And I, the thing about it is, he may have been in the limelight now, but maybe he didn't realise how much support they really had, you know what I mean, so it's hard to, it's hard to put your head where his was, if you know what I mean, but I've never seen anybody pass away that had as much support uh, no. in my life like it. The last few days, has just been tributes to him, so, it's really, really sad because it, the potential to go all the way.
0: Oh man, he wanted to win one Arnold, he wanted to win one Olympia and then just retire at like 35 and like Eddie Hall did. And I think in a weird way, you know, this hits a bit harder, at least to me than it did with Dallas. Because it wasn't a huge, like I mean Dallas was a great bodybuilder but I wasn't a huge fan of him um, yeah. as, a, as a bodybuilder. Whereas Luke um, you know, was present every single week. You know, he answered you. He would talk to you. You know, I have friends. Oh, yeah, we talked to you, like we would talk to you. You know, we give you the time of day. And, um, have someone pass away who you wouldn't have known that he had demons until he no, said, no. which he. So yeah, we all yeah. knew he had them. He just we just didn't. You can't see it until it's too late. in Many of these situations. Um. And I've had people on this podcast that have actually turned down interviews because their headspace ain't right. Yeah. Like, you know what, look, I can't train, I can't do certain things, but I have a family, I have a roof over my head, I have enough money to get by, so you know, like there's certain things, I can, I'm sure you're of the same mindset. Um, You can really only focus and the good stuff. I'm, I mean, like that's where really
1: you can. You kind of want to focus on what you can control. Do you know what I mean? We we can't control how long it's going to last or what, anything gap, but there's still loads of stuff we can control. I said a wee thing on Instagram this morning, but even people that hasn't got equipment, you can still control your cardio. You can still you can you can use this time for fat loss. You can use it for mobility. Get your diet on point, routine on point. There's loads of stuff you can work on, education yeah. or whatever. It's just if you sit back with a negative attitude and let the whole situation suck you up. And you're going to be beat but there's always a it's a learning curve and for everybody though the stick the most second thing is, is the whole the whole situation with the self-employed and the gyms and stuff closing and people with private studios so them guys have no income and stuff and yeah. because of if you're in this scene you're seeing firsthand there's people you know who owns gyms they have got zero income so it must be stressful it must be hard times you know right. um, I'm, I'm lucky enough i'm still working i'm working from home so I'm not affected and uh as that in that side of it, but I see loads of people here like and it's it's not nice. So you can see how it does lead to the extra anxiety and stress and stuff. So um hopefully we're out less sooner rather than later, but
0: yeah. Well look, at the end of the day, I think um you know it's literally just a case of where everyone's in the same situation. So like nobody's really getting any advantage. Um and like even if you're able to train um it's it's just I mean, it, it, like you can it's just the off season i mean there's no shows there's yep. nothing really so we're all in the same position but um yeah no that's it man i mean look it was great having you on um do you have any do you have any where can people find you for coaching um, what's your what's your
1: um instagram obviously uh we've got the team shredder going there the coaching it's going well um and then just a shout out to the the sponsors NXT there uh they've they've looked after me well um I started them in 2016 and they've looked they, after me ever are since yeah i was sure
0: they, so. they uh, where are they are a double no oh, Cool, cool, cool.
1: cuz i know so, luck
0: did by them i just did big luck yeah me and
1: luck me and luck still still on the team so that's an alert boy that you want to get on
0: that lock's a legend so yes I asked him I just uh, he said it's he said just the headspace just needs a bit it's not bodybuilding focus so I said fair enough yeah but, uh, no I'm thinking I'm going to get Dave on I'm going to get Dave Fox I'll get Billy um, I'll send James a message as well see if he wants to pop on because all the guys down here um, half of them are in a position where um, they'll do it but then the other half, their head ain't in the right space for it. And you know what? I think I think the problem is like a lot of people are gonna become. Um, I hope people don't step away. I mean, I, I I'm just hoping that people have that same fire for 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 everything once once we're able to get back to it because every show's gonna be jammed. Every show's gonna be packed up to the gills. Next,
1: next year, next year the classes are gonna be the biggest ever. Um, everybody's going to have a sometimes. So it's going to be crazy. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think, uh, I, think I, also can't get I think, I think the least down here anyway, I wouldn't say Nava and RB Rep will really change because it'll be the same people. Like we always get same, some people who will do spring, but they won't do October. I don't think that's going to change. I just think it'll be a case. Yeah. Of that. Um, but I think the pro shows are going to be phenomenal to watch. The ones that are on this year, because we're oh, be the man, only yeah. ones that people can do. So, <laughs> like that being said, man, it was a delight having you on. Uh,
1: no
0: up to, I'll have to come up because I want to see that gym anyway, man, for sure. Um, once this is done and dusted, I'll probably stay up for a few days
1: and Aye, know, even even to make a weekend for it. You know, um, up and get a few sessions on the pro gym. You know, it's a nice, it's good. Be gym and I say hotels and stuff up here is pretty cheap
0: airbnb airbnb wouldn't Can't even tell these days <laughs> there we go but daddy yeah, man so look thanks for coming on everyone no worries, is Brian can be found at his instagram handle which i will post down below and i will also um yeah i'll just post everything that needs to be posted this will be up tonight um no worries, week, tomorrow um, good stuff that's, that's irish I'll